0: For October 4th, 2010, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 118. Spoiler, Facebook exists. to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From the left coast, the bleeding edge of America, though not the first place uh, to get the Facebook.com. That was Harvard. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Matthew Rather, here with the panel to Overthink. The film, uh, The Social Network, written by Aaron Sorkin and and also featuring Aaron Sorkin as, as, uh, as like an advertiser or something like that. And uh, directed by David Fincher of uh, Fikla. Club and seven, and uh, many other many other movies. Uh, David Fincher, well known for his CGI, and this movie had some of the best CGI uh, breath condensation uh, that I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: yeah. Was that
0: Titanic breath? Are they The
1: Titanic breath? Because they used the Titanic breath in Fight Club. David Fincher did. It was the same breath from Titanic.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but the, well, they that up. they definitely used it in uh, in the Social Network because that was not real. Anyway, uh, I'm here with the, I'm here with the panel. Let Let's uh, jump right in. Favorite social network. Question of the week. What is your favorite social network? Uh, hey, a uh, recurring, recurring guest. If we were a sitcom, she would be a recurring character. Uh, it's Natalie Baseman.
2: Hey, everybody. That would be Ooh. my catchphrase. <laughs> I came into your living room. Uh, I'm gonna go with an oldie but a goodie. Uh, my first would be LiveJournal uh, because if there was any way that you could go and make everything about early high school humiliating and make it more humiliating, it's having it locked on the internet forever. So
0: <laughs> yay! Uh,
2: can you, you, not, delete, can you at- not delete? Can you not
0: delete LiveJournal?
2: You can. You can. The thing is, uh, what I would like to eventually do is take it and somehow download everything uh, into one comprehensive diary and then delete it. But until I figure that out, I will be keeping it online. I hope none of you ever find it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. My next question was going to be, do you want to give us... um do you want to give us your uh, live journal ID? But uh, no, not you
2: not on your life.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right, now, uh, now also from uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. If this were Night Court, he would be. Uh, let's say that he's John Larroquette in Night Court. It's
1: Peter <laughs> Fenzel. I'm not the sassy <laughs> black lady. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man, this is a tough one, but I'm gonna have to go with an oldie but a goodie, Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, you, love, you love some of the relationships there. I used to have an autographed picture of Mister McFeely that I got when I was a kid at a mall. That just sounds
4: tried- wrong, by the way. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, right. Like- That's
1: why it's the best social network because there's so much about it that seems so wrong, and yet it has this like this veneer of being so so right. Um, like, so I love the fact that Mr. McFeely is friends with Mr. Rogers, who is like friends with Henrietta Pussycat, who is then like friends with several of the other people in the land of make believe. And that like the different people from reality and the land of make believe like cross back and forth. And I, and I think the trolley is like a great representation of the social relationships and, and the way these different social circles combine with each other. I do think that one of my favorite fictional friendships. Uh, in history is the friendship between bizarre like sort of roommates uh, Henrietta Pussycat next the owl because uh, like what 's up with those two right like that 's pretty awesome like, like, uh, like they' sort of very different personalities and like he 's a little crazy, but you know he 's got a good side and like she 's really shy, but you know she 's probably a freak um, that is probably not right to say and i 'm sure somebody 's already written on the internet, but I just think it exemplifies a lot of really cool things about the way different people can get together and, and understand each other. That is a social network that I would log into and give all of my personal information to. But because, not you know, Facebook,
4: because you quit that.
1: <laughs> no, I quit Facebook. Facebook sucks. Mr. Rogers <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> 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 Mr. Rogers, <laughs> Devers- <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. Whereas Facebook will uh, not necessarily steer you wrong, but um, disable your steering wheel, replace it with a secret steering wheel you can't see, and then use that steering wheel to plow you into a brick wall. So that's, that's, uh, that's my opinion on that matter.
0: And now from Brooklyn, uh, Mark Lee, if this were Night Court, you'd have to be Mac because you're ethnic. All right! <laughs> It's true. I'm ethnic. <laughs> Aren't we all ethnic, though, in a way? Well, no, what? not white people. White people are just normal. Oh, what?
1: See the town. See the town, and you'll find out about ethnic white people.
4: <laughs> That's hilarious. But we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, favorite social network. Hands down, iTunes Ping. You want to know why? Because you know what the great thing was about Facebook when it first started? It was exclusive. Now that Facebook's in the other, everyone's on Facebook, Facebook isn't cool anymore. iTunes Ping is exclusive. I only have three friends on iTunes Ping. Which means it's good, right? No! It sucks! I'm kidding. iTunes Ping is terrible, and they really need, I, Apple really needs to do something about it. I think I actually, wh- one, one of, of them, my favorite non one, one of them is me, right? Yes, one of them is you, Matt. Thank you for Ping. <laughs> um, no, what I actually like in terms of social networks and music is what uh, Apple bought and did nothing with is Lala some of you may remember lala.com it was a streaming slash music streaming slash music social networking service and i was friends with fellow overthinker ryan shealy on um on lala along with uh, more people than three which i have now and the main thing a great thing about ping about not ping god nothing's good about ping uh, the great thing about lala is that uh, shealy was able to introduce me to the hold steady on lala which is like now my favorite rock band and i'm gonna see them on thursday and i'm so excited so lala yay ping sucks Woo,
0: go bc uh, and now on to the dulcet tones that you hear of John Parrish. John, if you're in night court, uh, I, I was going to say that you were going to be bull, but I, I think you'll object to that.
1: Well, <laughs> of, of
3: course I object to that. Have you seen my hair? My hair's awesome. Are, you're, you're just saving Harry Anderson's character for yourself, aren't you? <laughs> I guess I am. Yeah, that is, that is kind of the prerogative
0: of assigning, assigning all the sitcom characters. Okay, I'll be bull. You, uh, you can be Harry Anderson's character. Uh, do you have a deep-seated love of Mel Torme?
3: No, actually, but I'm going to keep going anyway. All right, so my favorite, my favorite social network uh, is so old school that you can't even find a lot of information about it on Google. Like, it, Googling it will not yield a lot of useful results. I'm talking, of course, about the legendary Forum 2000, which was – I know. It was a – <laughs> The future. It was a network hosted on Carnegie Mellon's uh, server – Which which would take questions from you and pose them to a series of artificial intelligences called SOMADs that were meant to mimic the personalities and knowledges of philosophers, mathematicians, historical figures, celebrities, and other people from the past, including but not limited to uh, Bertrand Russell, Confucius, Ayn Rand, Nietzsche, Barbie, Kosh from Babylon 5, <laughs> uh, Alfred Lord Whitehead, Jet Lee, a crack baby born under the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, etc. <laughs> <laughs> it's exceedingly like specific. specific. Is it- now, now, as it as it turns out, of course, the the conceit of this is was you know these weren't actually artificial intelligences. They were Carnegie Mellon you know computer science students who had some time on their hands, put this website together, forum2000.org, and would just answer questions that people had in the the personalities and guises of these of these philosophers and historical figures. But what made it was that a they were all really funny, and b the answers were all pretty much in a consistent tone with the people they were speaking as so. Nietzsche's answers sounded like the sort of things Nietzsche would say if they weren't actual Nietzsche quotes. Shakespeare's answers sounded like Shakespeare. Howard Stern's answers sounded like sounded like Howard Stern, etc. And the the interchange they had with each other, as well as the ways they would answer people's questions, which ranged from things like, you know, what college should I go to, to, you know, how do I get this girl to like me, and, and things like that, were, were all really fascinating and really funny stuff. There was... Uh, there was a while among several friends that I I made in college where, you know, it, it was part of our our conversational rhetoric, just quoting you know Forum 2000 uh, excerpts back and forth at each other, and it Forum 2000 vanished from the internet about ten years ago. Ironically, in the year 2000, and uh, <laughs> it it did not outlast the year for which it was named. Uh, briefly resurged as Forum 3000, vanished again, and now there's. <laughs> And, and now there's there's really there's really nothing like it and really it's it's just a for me it's just been a long bitter search for any sort of social network that will replace that and uh, to this point everything is lacking
0: uh all right well then i uh go to myself um my favorite social network is the parent teacher association because those mothers get stuff done <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> do they really or do they just bake cookies or they hey, just complain about the they complain about evolution
0: you know what so, uh,
2: if, uh, yeah. exactly. fathers are parents too you know? <laughs>
0: yeah but they don't bake cookies um yeah no absolutely <laughs> I mean they if don't you just, think yeah, if, if you think baking cookies is not getting stuff done then then I challenge you to live in a cookie-less world it is a bleak place my friend a bleak place <laughs>
1: I just had a vision of like a vast wasteland rushing towards me and like an endless flat plain of total desolation um, and no chocolate chips or chunks or anything like that. It would be quite quite horrifying. No so chips. So please don't scare me. No chunks. No chips. No chunks. No chewiness. No other chuh. Nothing else but that sort of uh, consonant, consonantal, phenomic cluster. Yeah. Like uh, taunting me and tantalizing me. So, Or snickerdoodles for that matter.
0: So. All right, let's launch into the thing. Uh, Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> David Fincher's movie, um, The Social Network. I mean, it's uh, – we call it an Aaron Sorkin movie. I think one of the things that, that we might um, – or at least I call it an Aaron Sorkin movie. I, one of the things that we might uh, go at here is whose voice do you think the, the film really speaks with? I think that the, the – um, uh, a lot of things about the narrative kind of point to it being an Aaron Sorkin movie more than it is a uh, a David Fincher movie, but i 'm hoping someone will disagree with me and argue the other side of that.
4: Well, I will put in a little bit for it being an Aaron Sorkin movie from what I understand, uh, Aaron Sorkin was kind of bragging about how sort of not technologically literate he is, and you know, doesn't I would assume is probably not an avid user of Facebook himself. And that jives a lot with what you see in the movie itself. The movie is not about Facebook. Really, it's only marginally about Facebook. It's really about, obviously, you know, characters, people, conflict, betrayal, friendship, loss, all that kind of stuff. Right?
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting because it's, like, got no car chases. Like, they have no action sequences in this <laughs> movie. Which is amazing, because they'll put action sequences in, like, a Virginia Woolf movie. Like, they'll be like, a car chase in, like, a movie about, like, Gloria Steinem, for Christ's sake. is <laughs> like, the only movie I've seen, like, maybe in the last ten years that didn't have, like, a ridiculous, over-the-top action sequence for no reason. Or, like, anybody talking about anybody else's destiny. I was actually quite
2: pleased with that. <laughs> was, uh, well, there there were people... <laughs> There were people snorting cocaine off of a naked teenager's chest.
1: Well, yeah, but that's that's reality. That's not uh, (laughs) a slice of life. That's uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. No, I don't actually.
4: Speaking of snorting cocaine off of a naked teenager's chest, are we having blanket spoiler alert? Spoiler
1: warning. This is going to be a spoiler Oh, Of course, definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that I means just, just mean, their... the events are like pub, matter of public records. Yeah, well. exactly.
0: Right, the snorting te- <laughs> coke off a teenager's chest is like a court document or a police report or something. <laughs> like, like that.
1: Spoiler: Facebook exists. <laughs> 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 spoiler. If you go to Facebook.com, you'll find all the spoilers for the Social Network movie. So you don't want to do that. Um, that would be a bad thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so so yeah. So and isn't it also by the guy who wrote? Um, isn't it also by the guy who, uh, Ben Metric? Um, he he wrote the the book about the. Uh, I think he wrote a book about this, and he wrote a book about the um, MIT kids that got turned into the movie Twenty One, which was that huge travesty where they replaced all the Asian boys with hot white girls and boys. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, I mean, I'm I'm looking at his IMDb page now. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It seems like there's a certain amount of romanticization of the smartness, right? Which is not so much. I mean, Sorkin loves people who are good at their jobs, but I don't know if he's in love with kind of privilege. Uh, and I don't just mean the privilege that the movie makes fun of, but like the privilege that the movie like then embraces, right? Because there's like the privilege of the yuppie guys. And then there's the privilege of like the smart programmers, right? And they're both kind of, it's like, oh, we're so much better than they are because we're down to earth. Uh, privileged people, as opposed right. to these ridiculous privileged people and their ridiculous outfits. Ben, we wear Meser- gaps, so we're cool.
3: Ben, ben Mesrick's book, Bringing Down the House, on which the movie Twenty One was based, also took some some minor hits for credibility. There were a lot of things in it that were later called into question, and I I understand that a lot of a lot of Ben Res- Mesrick's book about Zuckerberg, and indeed the this script for this movie uh, has been called into question for factual accuracy. I think that's one of the the things understood going in right right right.
1: so i mean i guess i mean it definitely feels like a sorkin movie because like i got the sorkin headache about 25 minutes in which i get whenever (laughs) (laughs) long uninterrupted stretches of sorkin dialogue that have like very little plot motivating them or anything that like keeps me interested um so i mean the movie definitely picked up steam but like for the first part of it i'm just sort of like all right they're at college and they're talking like they've planned all this ahead of time nobody talks like (laughs) <laughs> um they're like talking like they stick the landing like every conversation ends with like just the perfect line um it's I mean, like honestly
4: pete though do you do you prefer the the gibberish that that pa- the, the stilted gibberish that passes as movie dialogue in other movies that's more typical these days
1: I just, I just prefer when it's being said by a cute and spunky Sabrina Lloyd. Uh, I miss Sports Night. That's <laughs> one of, every time I hear Sorkin Dialogue, I think Sports Night because I wasn't a big West Wing watcher. Um, but no, I mean I think that it is really good. It's good dialogue. It's well-crafted. I think it's like – Sorkin Dialogue belongs in the history books next to the well-made play, right? Next to like these sort of conventions of drama that work from an emotional standpoint and intellectual standpoint but um, aspire to a level of representationalism that is uh, – that they're trying to convince us of, like, oh, this is, mm-hmm. its it feels realer than the kind of dialogue that we're hearing today, but it's not so much realer as something new that's been invented, right? Uh, right. I he, like, he's not, yep.
2: Yeah. I think that the, that the Sorkin feeling of it, that dialogue, the craftedness of it fits in so well with the theme of the film and the theme of the book mm-hmm. and, and what Ben Mesrich. Goes for you know he's taking these institutions, Harvard, MIT, rowing, and, and things <laughs> that are not in everyone's lives that that you only kind of see passing by, and he makes them into the worlds that we think of as perfect, as something well crafted, mm. and if not uh, legal, at least pretty to look at, mm. entertaining. So I think that goes very well along with just the theme of of the movie itself.
3: Right. So, Sorkin Sorkin characters are always very conscious of the world they live in and the role they have in it. Like, the, the assholes in a, a Sorkin story always know they're supposed to be assholes. Like, they, they know mm-hmm. that and what makes them at least plausible is that they have some internal justification for why they're supposed to be assholes. Like, take the the, uh, the Winklevoss twins in the social network. I mean they they know that they're they, it's not a surprise to them when when they're they're called out as, you know, being pretentious and stuck up, but it's just something they think they're entitled to and all of their dialogue and all of their characterization arises from that place, you know, them them deciding and them saying like, "Oh, because we're better than everyone else and there's no objection to that, this is, you know, this is what we're entitled to. This is how we're going to solve this problem."
1: Yeah. The line about them chasing around the karate kid in skeleton outfits, <laughs> <chasing>. <laughs> where they consider these tall, so blonde guys. Good. It's like, because when we do that, we're going to be in skeleton costumes chasing the karate kid around a school dance. <laughs> <Or whatever. laughs> right.
3: That's that's very much an example of that. Or, yeah. or you know, his his line, why don't we go beat him up? I'm 6'5", 220 pounds, and there's two of me. There are two.
2: <laughs> so good. Yep. Yeah, yeah they were... Uh, I ran into a friend earlier today and we talked a little bit about the movie and she was she mentioned that she was so taken aback at how funny the movie was and how many laugh out loud moments there are and there are a ton of them it was a really really funny movie which unlike you know the rest of Sorkin he's a very funny writer.
3: I, I thought it was refreshing, to I mean, Pete, to touch again on something you said about how there aren't any chase scenes or fight scenes in the movie, and it's really hard to imagine a movie without those, but every every critical moment in this movie hinges on dialogue. It hinges on two people, every, every moment of dramatic tension where, you know, two characters enter a scene and they have to exit by opposite paths, and maybe one person will get there, maybe they'll both get there hinges on dialogue hinges on what's being revealed through conversation and emotion and that's as you say almost unheard of in a in a modern you know major studio sub notionally four quadrant movie yeah
1: well, there, there on, are definitely uh, oh okay. sorry, go ahead. sorry
3: no you finish up pete
1: oh i was just gonna say like that and then like on top of this there are some moments where it feels like a david fincher movie but they're kind of few and far between We're right like this, up, the like
0: one they're they're breathing out the condensing water vapor
1: yeah, they're using the same special mm-hmm. effects that they used in Fight Club 10, 11 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, but also I think the scene where uh, Zuckerberg is running through Harvard Yard and is surrounded by all these people who are talking to each other, and he has this like very compact, um, like sort of isolated, uh, sort of his his representation on the screen is like very compact and isolated, and his motion is very automatic in the sense of it being like a machine. Yeah. Um, and it, the Trent Reznor music is really building up. You know, there's this weird, there's a lot of this weird music in the thing. These moments, the, the sort of moments and, and uh, feeling around Zuckerberg of like intense alienation. Like, which is not really acknowledged in the dialogue as much as it is in the way that the film is composed, um, it is definitely Fincher's hallmark. But he doesn't really overwhelm the movie's viewpoint with it. It just sort of exists in certain moments. And of course, the nonlinearity of like the, the shooting and the way that it jumps back and forth in time in certain places feels more Fincher ish. Well,
0: um, you know, Pete, you'd, you'd uh, you need to see the West Wing because there, mm. there are a lot of those. Um, there are a lot of those uh, uh, moments in the West Wing where, where there will be a unity of time imposed by a framing device that, that then moves by flashback.
1: Mm-hmm. That, uh, okay. You know I mean, does that, does that make sense? In yeah, no, of course. That, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Too, so I these mean, felt like West Wing flashbacks? Yeah, uh, they, they had, yeah in a sense. They sort that, of felt like Fight Club flashbacks, too. So it's kind of interesting that they kind of come together. And, uh, or if they don't come together, maybe I'm just trying to infer something that's not there. No, let's, um, let's
0: talk about it. I, I think even despite the, the lack of any female characters to speak of in it uh, that are not, you know, I don't know, either too good for you girlfriends or crazy girlfriends or just sex toys, the um, uh – uh, all four quadrants were in my uh, uh, were in my screening in my full you know Sunday afternoon screening in uh, in L A. So it mm-hmm. was um, I mean I I think the word of mouth has been really really good on this movie and there were there were actual honest to god thirteen year olds uh, behind me making obnoxious comments you know through the whole yeah. through the whole movie um, <laughs> stupid obnoxious comments which I appreciate because I have. Uh, um, I have, I have, I have great affection for that time of life and, uh, and, you know, comebacks as witty as no, you aren't or
3: that's stupid, you know,
0: uh, especially the, the, the guy,
3: the guy next to me when I saw it was actually snapping his fingers at, at comments that he felt were really funny. Like in the sense that someone go, Oh snap, except he was literally snapping, So either in that (laughs) sense or in the sense that you might applaud at a jazz concert. I'm not sure which affectation he was going for, but it was one of those.
1: Are you sure he didn't have Lou Gehrig's disease and was whispering to the person next to him? Um, no, <laughs> I actually, pad. I actually saw. Uh, too, too soon. John,
4: too basically, soon. what you're saying is you would prefer if everyone in the movie theater had a like button they they could have hit.
1: Oh um, <laughs> man, um, my favorite. What were some of your favorite like internal Facebook references in the movie? Because the movie had a lot of jokes that were references to Facebook. Like, I I'll, i mean, I'll I'll tell you. I'll you guys go first, and I'll tell you mine after you guys have said some of yours. Because I mean, I thought that there were definitely a lot of like sideways. Uh, comments about it
4: Anybody? well i mean the, 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 the relationship status thing was less sideways and more very uh, obviously overt and direct part of it uh, yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, just you know the, the few references to it spoke volumes to the outsized importance of the facebook relationship status mm-hmm. in real life and the drama associated with it when do you change it when is it appropriate to and you know the sort of the, the signal that that sends out
1: mm-hmm. any any other favorite references that they thought were made to facebook stuff and like the dialogue and things like that because I want to, I want to share mine. Because I felt like just, it was just, pretty share cool. just go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay. So, do you notice that in the entire movie, there is this weird running theme that everybody really, really cares about what happens to farm animals? Like, did oh. anybody
3: else pick
1: up on that? <laughs> 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 How, like, the basically playing Farmville for in certain scenes where it, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, farm. He says at the end, oh, farm animals. It's like the, one of the last things it said in the movie. I, that was like really, really clever. I, that thought I crossed my mind.
4: I didn't know, I couldn't decide for myself if that was a, a direct reference to Farmville, that awful Facebook game or not. <laughs> you're saying you're you're pretty sure it was.
1: I I mean I feel like if it wasn't then it's a lucky it's a lucky accident.
4: I don't know, Pete, you haven't you quit Facebook. You haven't been on there a while. Things have changed there, you know. Oh really?
1: Do people not play Farmville anymore? Uh, no, sure. they, they
4: they still play Farmville. Oh,
1: okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I like it how the guy has the chicken in the crate, like, with him while he's having the conversation with people. That's great. I love it when they're like, you think that everything you say is really important and everybody should read it. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> 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 I thought that was funny, too. But,
3: but getting, getting back to the, the female roles for a second, I, I, thinking about the movie in retrospect. I saw it last night. It. I mean, while yes, it would have been nice if there were more female speaking roles, other than just how they related to guys. It makes sense to me that there weren't that many, for the same reason there aren't a lot of female roles in *Glengarry Glen Ross*, the David Mamet uh, play and then later movie from nineteen ninety-two, ninety-three, whenever it was. In that *Glengarry Glen Ross* and, uh, of course, *The Social Network* are very much about the games that different types of men play in order to exude power over one another and you know you have uh you have uh mark zuckerberg who you know exudes power by just being relentlessly devoted to doing one thing perfectly and sort of cravenly weaseling his way around other people's objections and hoping they don't catch him and you have uh christ uh uh, justin timberlake's character the founder of facebook Right now, the, uh, the founder of Napster, uh, Sean Parker. Sean Parker, thank you. And you have Sean Parker's Sean means of power. Yeah. thank you. Sean Parker's means of exuding uh, power. Sean which, Parker, which is uh, which is uh, blazing in and bowling people over with uh, fantastic anecdotes and attitude and personality. And uh, you have uh, Eduardo's means of exuding power, which is you know being the the quiet guy behind the scenes, but the guy who supplies the money. Like once. Once his financial aspect is taken away, then, you know, he's, he's, he feels cut off at the knees. So it's, it's just these different, these different games of power that are being played throughout. And that's, that's an obvious parallel. And that's, while, while I won't say there aren't power politics among women, because that's not true, uh, it's, it's something that is more traditionally reserved for, for men. It's something that we are more used to watching men do.
1: I mean, it's brought up a lot of times in the movie, like people use the phrase to get girls, right? Like men want to get girls. Yes. Um, And then, and of course, it's a big theme of this movie that people are substituting being on Facebook, working with Facebook, uh, being obsessed with their jobs and with their efforts for, like, the kinds of meaningful social relationships that are elusive in the world of this movie. So if, they, if anybody had, like, an actual functioning human relationship, it would kind of discount what everybody is sort of trying to achieve in the movie, which is to sort of establish a proxy for that that works, right? That is that – me from the napster guy who's been like rejected by so many people and has all these like meaningless relationships which is wild i didn't have no idea he was involved in facebook at all that's crazy that he's still kicking around um and uh and like all the way over to the rich kids who like have their secret society and stuff but you know in, in the end like i mean i guess that they don't really even get to play a part in the story it's like i don't know it's it's tough to say exactly how it piles out but um i definitely thought that this like this is people don't have good relationships and this is the kind of stuff that they do in their lives because they don't and, and so that's one of the reasons why the women can't be there because they're off doing something else and if they were around then the guys wouldn't need to make Facebook you know what I mean like the only people mm-hmm. who have sex with people they actually like um, aren't important to the story of what happened because it's right. like sexual transmutation right like, uh, like that energy gets used for other things
2: Yeah, yeah there's the, there's you did
0: sublimation
1: right yeah sublimation yeah Natalie,
2: you did have Rashida Jones's character, who I think was a pretty interesting kind of middle point for. For then, uh, who Mark is she exactly? was
1: she yeah. Was she the girl that he wanted, the the BU student?
2: No, Rashida playing. Jones was the lawyer. Oh, the lawyer. Oh,
1: okay. I mean, I guess she's a char- She's sort of a character. Yeah, she's kind of like the Rashida her-
2: Jones, who who herself is a Harvard graduate. Oh, interesting. Who, and I and her father went there as well Wilde Jones. And I think she was an interesting point for the Mark Zuckerberg character to see the context of everything that that he has been in. She was kind of the audience's point to look to to be the audience in the movie. So she was the one who was making eyes telling Mark you're you do realize you're being crazy and that you're going to lose and eventually your behavior is going to catch up with you and i thought that was that was an interesting part that i was not expecting to be there Mm
3: -hmm. she she's also an interesting viewpoint and she i think she's allowed to be the voice of the audience because she's probably the only person in either deposition who uses facebook but wasn't instrumental in its founding Mm-hmm. If you if you look at all the other lawyers involved, they're all very old white men or older white women. So probably – I mean, well, contemporarily they might be Facebook users today. But at the time of the the depositions in question, probably weren't on Facebook, whereas she is closer to a peer of Zuckerberg's. I, I think she's in her early 30s. Although I don't know what age her character was supposed to be. So she's the only person in the room who could plausibly using Facebook – who could possibly be using Facebook, who wouldn't have a vested interest in it financially.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and also he can't be with her, right? Because he can't be with her because he's got the whole Midas thing. It's like, oh, you've got so much money and power, but you can't touch your family or they'll die because they'll turn to gold. All <laughs> stuff.
0: Um, so we talked about Harvard uh, a little bit. I mean, it's no secret that the um, – the uh, uh, most of the overthinking at writers were, you know, classmates at a uh, at a rival. Uh, uh, Ivy League of higher, higher
1: And our players. movie got Joshua Jackson So there <laughs> yeah, Our
0: movie got a direct-to-video
1: sequel Is this <laughs> movie going
0: to have a direct-to-video sequel? I don't think so
1: I hope it's a really sketchy movie about the founding of MySpace That would be hilarious <laughs> it's like, We need to make, make a, a site Where I can see the booty shaking Of his lady <laughs> Someone
4: did make a, a parody movie trailer of college, oh that was so good oh, the oh that the was other so social good network. yeah it's totally
1: seeing. it's called the video website right about the founding of youtube no no, no like- there's that
4: there's also it's quote unquote the other social network and oh, it's about okay. called- the founding of myspace
1: oh i like the youtube one a lot where he's like he's sitting at the board t- <laughs> t- he's sitting in the boardroom with the people are around him and it's very quiet and he like he's like he turns the the laptop around, and it's like the two pandas, and the baby panda kicks the mama panda in the in the groin, and everybody laughs, and that's like the big dramatic moment of the movie. Anyway, anyway,
4: Wait, Matt, um, you're saying something about the august Ivy League institutions.
1: Uh, Which yeah, are... the,
0: the August Institution, uh, ours, and the inferior one that was depicted in The Social Network. So um... <laughs> we went to Yale. The movie's about Harvard. Come on, for
1: Christ's sake! <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> what oh, what, uh, what this, did you think? of Sorry, that? I shouldn't curse. <laughs> so, let's be nice. Let's, let's be think, inviting to people.
4: You were using the Lord's name in vain. You were cursing. Let's be all right. All well, right. Acu- <laughs> sorry, continue.
0: Well, I'm not sure. What do you think of the of the depiction of of uh, of Harvard in the um, in the film?
2: I thought it was very interesting. Uh, and I will expand on that. Um, I uh, work at Harvard Ooh, as an employee. Be careful. We want you to get you in so I know I know I can't do too much uh, getting into trouble but my job did have me on the phone talking to the actual Divya Narendra uh, last week which was kind of really cool especially seeing this movie. Oh, uh, cool. but um Harvard it, Has so many parts to it. It is a huge institution. And what they're really focusing on here is the undergraduate, the college, which is where a lot of that, the, the, I don't know, the legend comes from. A lot of that, a lot of the, entitlement that you think of, a lot of the uh, famous people who come from Harvard were all college graduates and not from the Graduate School of Education or from uh, the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, although that might change in the future. But uh, I think the most telling point as a staff employee who went to the Massachusetts State University and is now working at Harvard uh, was when the twins, Cameron and Tyler, the Winklevoss, or the Winklevai twins, <laughs> go and meet uh, with the president of Harvard at the time. They, they, they have their father's friend get them a meeting at the president's office with the president, and he laughs in their face and tells them to go away. And it was kind of sweet redemption of like you stupid entitled undergraduates, uh, this place is much more than that. And it, I, I don't know, I really like that because it was, uh, or at least I thought it showed the dichotomy between this small sect of 4,000 kids who are running around, who are 18 to 21 years old, who are literally playing with millions of dollars between them and have the world ahead of them. And then the rest of the world, right? Well, and it's not just—it's
4: not just that four thousand. That sliver of the four thousand of the what—the twenty-some odd thousand students at Harvard. It's a very
2: well, no, no, no. Sp- okay, well, I'm. It's trying a small. To sl- make that there's a small that-
4: sliver of 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 life at Harvard which is represented there—the whole finals club business and all that kind of stuff.
2: Right, and, and that's even a very small sliver of that small sliver because. Right. If the finals club, even in the first segment of the movie, they have the finals club going against, the, you know, the nerds and everyone else in the dormitories who aren't at the finals clubs. And it's uh, – it, so I – and from people that I know and just in – who are just random graduate students at Harvard – the college is just – it places you in such a different perspective than everything else, which is probably the same at a few other universities. But here I think it showed – it was showing undergrad, the college, on such a magnified level as that, well, I think.
3: It's it's interesting that you talk about – you know the the Winklevoss twins being rebuked by the president of the university for claiming privilege because the university president doing the rebuking was Larry Summers, who in 2005 came under a bit of a cloud for some uh, some remarks that he made during a uh, during a conference on diversifying you know the science and engineering workforce, where where he made he made some comments about you know the the various reasons that there were discrepancies between you know, the male and female ratio in the science and engineering positions, uh, one possibility being, you know, different socialization, one possibility being women being less inclined to pursue high-powered jobs, and one possibility uh, he alluded to being just a difference in aptitude, like the possibility that women had different aptitudes for, for math than, uh, than men did.
1: Yeah, the specific thing right. it was a greater standard deviation in aptitude. That, that And thus, a script, right. because you're taking such a small subset of a small subset, you're not getting a representation that reflects the normalized curve. You're getting something that's merely distorted, uh, of like a very, very small part of like a larger kind of statistical variance. So he didn't say women, men were smarter than women. He said that like, men were more like varied. And thus, because we only want this like, very, very, very specific subset, then we're going to get more men because there's going to be more of them that we want. But he's also kind of a little bit socially awkward larry summers and he's not very like like good at saying things so i'm i I read the script and i read the speech and it was kind of snide the way that he put it and it was not and they didn't like this the faculty didn't like him anyway so he was kind of crucified for that but they didn't like him for other reasons too yeah but anyway i'm sorry
3: no no but i mean so it's it's interesting that that he of all people is the is the voice of reason against privilege in that (laughs) <laughs> in that context. So that's that's a neat little that's a neat little bit of irony. And it's it's obviously not something that was lost on Aaron Sorkin because he puts in Larry Summers' mouth at one point in the speech, you know, the comment, I used to be the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury. I think I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That effect. Right,
0: but that's, I, hold, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, a number of things that have gone by that shouldn't pass without comment. A, um... He's totally wrong, Larry Stormers is, when he says yeah. that, right? Like, yep. he, he totally miss, uh, uh, the, 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 kind of uh, fails to see the, val- the value of the idea. Oh, these kids are, are playing, uh, you know, are just kind of playing computers. He fails to see that it's a half-billion-dollar business and that something of value was actually, actually stolen. You know, whether this was whether this really was the place of the president of a, you know, large research university to... to uh, intervene or not, begging entirely that question when he says, um, uh, you know, when he says, uh, oh, you'll get another idea. It wasn't really worth anything uh, the other way. He's, he's wrong. Um, the other thing is that I, I think it's wrong to characterize this movie as, as anti-privilege or even as, uh, uh, even as uh, for a second, kind of... Um, Kind of questioning privilege, right? Uh, what Pete said, I think, uh, early in the podcast is actually a little more a little more accurate, which is that it it um, it subverts one kind of privilege, but then kind of sneaks another kind in the door, you know. And the the it, last right. Ending, right and the last thing that you see uh, in the movie, the super title is um, uh, uh, he's the youngest billionaire in the world. Right. It
3: right. Before, it it does. It does do that, and there's there's one point that's that's very explicit. In fact, I, I it, it almost sounded like a, a quote out of Atlas Shrugged, which I I brought up the last time I was on the podcast. Uh, Zuckerberg's uh, line to the the Winklevosses in the deposition: "If you guys could have invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook." In other words, his 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 line that you know the fact that I invented something means that I I deserve to have the credit for having invented it. The my my genius justifies itself. My genius is is its own entitlement. That's I mean that that's I, I could probably point to direct passages out of Ayn Rand's literature that espouse exactly that line. So it is very much about yeah the the privilege of of genius. I, well, I want to jump in there for a second. It's not just about the the genius about the ideas or
4: whatever. It's about also about the execution and the fact that he like basically worked for untold hours upon end to actually make this happen and he wrote not only was he good enough to you know have the ideas and come up with them but he was good enough to actually write the code and and make that happen to make it a reality
3: i don't i don't when i say when i say privilege of genius i don't mean that in the exclusively negative sense that progressives often use the word privilege to mean like i mean for one thing yeah zuckerberg you
0: mean it's the prerogative
3: of genius. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Zuckerberg, you know, did do a pretty amazing thing. If you consider the impact of Facebook and you consider that he coded the the core of it, the, the founding uh, the founding portion of the site. in if the narrative of the movie is accurate, uh, about 45 to 50 days, that's pretty incredible. I mean, that that is that is without a doubt noteworthy and probably worthy of respect that doesn't justify everything else he's done, and I think that's what, part of what makes the movie so great, is that it confronts us with this dilemma that, you know, you have to respect his intelligence, but does that mean you have to respect his his other asshole behavior?
1: I, I, th- I think one of the themes in the movie, when we're talking about privilege and we're talking about Harvard, right, and we're talking about um, – the relationship between the social network that is, because it's called the movie's called Social Network, right? There's the social network that's that is established on the internet with Facebook supported by the people in California, and then there's the social networks that we see at Harvard, the old school social networks. Um, I think that, that what you're seeing is like a technologifying of privilege, right? Is that that the the people at Harvard and at Oxford and these other places have established this technology of privilege, where it's a way that things work. It's a way that people interact with each other. It's a way that we they build social networks. It's taken a long time. It's very slow. It's very organic. It's built based on tradition, and it's very difficult to get into and to co-opt and and to sort of influence, right? And so, like, they have a certain technology of privilege, and they're trying to use this new medium to transmit this technology of privilege. But what Zuckerberg does is he takes the technology of privilege and he reincorporates it um, through a different medium uh, and, and sort of reestablishes its operation, uh, but with him in charge of it, right? Um, I mean, it's what it reminded me of, and it because one scene, one scene that I wanted to talk about, and maybe we can steer it in direction to talking about this scene, because this is a scene that I heard... When I left the theater, there was a crowd of people, uh, of girls, women, uh, walking the same way I was walking, and I walked past them. And I, what I heard them talking about was they were obsessed with this scene. And this scene is the sort of really intense uh, Hall of the Mountain King uh, rowing montage, uh, which happens. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's, what? No, go on. Oh, so yeah, it's it's this big rowing montage at this uh, international crew meet in in the UK, Uh, and it sort of shows, I think, the shots show the way that the social network of this place exists, right? And I think that when we're talking about the way that the um, Edelweisses or whatever the heck their names are see, see the world, um, they see this social <laughs> network as like descending from a way of looking at the world. They think that the technology of privilege co- is, is based off of something that is related to like a virtue or a good or it has some sort of normative underpinning. Like they are Harvard men. They ought to behave in a certain way. Things ought to work in a certain way. Not just that the social networks they belong to just are, but like that they're, they are based on some sort of ideology. And I think that, that when that what we're talking about the effect that social networks on the internet have on the way that people relate to each other is that we've, we've separated exclusivity and, and kind of like friendship, right? We've separated these things out from the mechanisms that used to support them and which were in turn mutually supportive of this mythology. So, so like you can go on Facebook and you can – Network, network as you could do at one of those fancy crew meets and so it's like sort of old school versus new school and it kind of shows you the power and impressiveness of what had existed previously to that and i think you can draw a similar uh parallel between the final club party and then the like, crazy parties that happen at the Facebook you know, headquarters and things like that, where they achieve what the Harvard people were capable of achieving, but the Harvard people took 300 years to it and have all sorts of mythology supporting them. They just figured out how the system works. They figured out the design elements. You know, they figured out the way that people respond to it psychologically. And, and, and that's, they figured out that it's not normative, right? That that stuff is mythology and that you can take it and operate it independently of this sort of uh, this institution that supposedly supports it. I don't know. And so, what do you guys think about that? And also, what do you guys think of the crew montage? Because I thought it was a really interesting scene.
4: Well, um, just, I'll... just I'll start first. Visual, just one thing that really struck me visually is it uh, utilized uh, what I believe is called the tilt lens mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. in which it is extremely uh, shallow depth of field, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of what it made it it looked. It makes it gives the impression of it, the whole thing is a shot in miniature. And that, you know, what, yeah, that, so that, was, that was my thought, Yeah. Right. And uh, I'm sort of failing. and thinking like what the visual uh, technique What does it mean to be
1: shot in miniature? What do you mean?
4: It's as if like it's uh, if you have a, a camera lens and you're training it on like a small little diorama that you put together and then you can achieve that extremely shallow depth of field easily in that sort of setting where what's, you know, not in focus immediately. What's in the foreground and the background. Both of those are extremely blurry. That's easy oh. to do with a very small-scale type of thing. But to do that in a large setting, you know, with like a crew race on a, on a river, that requires a special lens to give that effect as if it were being shot in miniature.
0: Or probably CGI so, after, after the fact. But yeah, or that, yeah. Fair enough.
1: I have a so you're thinking that the much. way that it was shot is supposed to lead to the impression that the things that are happening are very small? No, no, no,
0: that, that no. That the whole thing is sort of a toy in, in essence.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Or that, so, or, that so, it's very, or that it's very
3: pristine and precious and very precisely set and that everything's arranged just so.
1: Right, 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 right. As opposed to the everything else which is not shot in that way and is thus, like, what, messier? or Like, where, where are we going? I'm, I'm not doubting it. I just want to see, well, what's the next step? Where are we going with this idea? What do you mean? Um,
4: well, basically that that it gives us hyper-realistic – not hyper-realistic. Surreal maybe is a better word. The The crew race is surreal. It's in this sort of fantasy land. And then, which is why it's, it's depicted in a different visual style and what everything else that happens outside that, you know, the huddling around the computers, the partying on campus,
3: that's more realistic or grounded into what, you know, actually matters for the characters. Yeah, if you consider one of the only other crane shots I can remember in the movie, which is of Zuckerberg walking from apparently the Thirsty Scholar, which is, you know, which is a bar a little bit away from uh, from Harvard, back to his dorm at Harvard, which almost opens the movie, that's one of the only other crane shots I can remember. You can see other people moving around. You can see cars moving and snow on the ground and etc. Whereas this crane shot of the of the crew event is you can't see other people. You can only see buildings and sort of an obscure detail and the water and the shrubbery, which looks very still and stiffly lit. And it, it looks very artificial. It doesn't look like a place where people live.
1: So is that something that Facebook steals from privilege? Um, so, so like, when, when, when in the first scene of the movie, Zuckerberg says to the girl... The girl says that she's attracted to crew guys, but Zuckerberg asks her if she's ever actually seen a crew guy, and she's sort of ambiguous about her answer, right? Like there's this idea of a crew guy that she doesn't actually see, but like a cowboy, like a fantasy, she's attracted to it. And then the end scene of the movie is Zuckerberg looking on Facebook at a picture of this girl who, in the beginning of the movie, had been right in front of him, and he is attracted to her, but at this point they 're so distant as human beings that you can 't really conceive that she 's going to like friend him and they 're going to be together right like She, she has become this fantasy she 's become this thing that she doesn 't that he can 't see right that, that he sort of like believes is out there uh, and, and then is this idea of this sort of uh, this, this crew scene, I felt like, was really in response to that line very early in the movie, where it's like, what does a crew guy look like? Like, this is the scene where we show you what a crew guy looks like, and this is the thing that has sort of tormented Zuckerberg for most of the movie, right? Is that, like, this, this idea of this other guy that he isn't and he can't be and that he aspires to be. Um, but at the same time, when it's communicated to you, it's communicated to you in this way that makes it seem, like, sort of crafted and almost creates this sense of disjuncture between your experience and their experience, right? And, and so, like, a, is that similar? Is the experience of watching a crew scene similar to the experience of being somebody being somebody's friend on Facebook? Because there's this intermediary that that's created. I don't know what were you thinking.
3: Well, in in a way, in a way, Zuckerberg is already present in that scene because after the the Winklevosses lose the race and they're mingling afterward. Uh, one, of, one of their father's friends comes up and says, oh, my daughter was just telling me she's seen the results of the race on Facebook because we have it at Oxford now. Right. So, you know, the Winklevosses think they can retreat back to their world of exclusivity, but Facebook is already already creeping into there. And then, of course, you know, they're completely taken out of their zone. They have to go in the next room, look it up on Facebook. And, then, and that's the point where all three of them finally agree to file the lawsuit.
1: Well, it, right. And what happens, I mean, that happens that people might have taken that have been tagged.
0: I'm sorry, Go say ahead. that again, Pete.
1: Oh, I said, uh, so are there really close shots, like examples of photos that people would have taken from the scene that have been like tagged? Is it like the Facebookization of the experience that, that the eye of the camera has become the eye of Facebook, which is like peering in on people's lives and making them public in the in these sort of like distance ways that don't resemble uh, or the organic experience of an individual meeting another individual sort of right. IRL.
3: Up to, that, up to that point, it, it seems, at least in the narrative of the movie, I don't know about the real lawsuit that this is based on, but it seems like the Winklevosses would be okay with never hearing about Facebook again and just going back to their lives of crew competitions, rowing for the Olympic team, maybe going to work for their father's business in a few years, making you know, six-figure salaries and just forgetting about this eventually. But Facebook keeps intruding on their lives and reminding them of this missed financial
1: opportunity. Rather, were you saying something? Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I I've been kind of thinking about that. Uh, but we we brought up the kind of the tilt shift effect on the establishing shots of the British, uh, uh, the British race, and you know, it tilt shift photography has the effect of making real real locations look like a model. That is to say, mm-hmm. making uh, making uh, quote unquote real life look like a constructed thing. And I think that I mean, I think that the larger point is about the constructedness of of social systems, isn't it? Um, you know what I mean about the, the kind of the ultimate artificiality of, uh, of all of these systems. And it's, Hmm. you know, it's, it's funny. This scene is a turning point where the, the, the the Abercrombie and Fitch twins decide that, (laughs) that they're going to, um, that they're going to uh, move the uh, they're they're going to kind of move the show in a way they they've been participating in a discourse of like of of college society you know what I mean and sort of we are we are gentlemen of Harvard you, you know and we're, we we yeah. don't do that to to the discourse of sort of law and uh, the kind of rough and tumble you know uh, world of 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 being citizens. Uh, that is that is to say we're to, we're going to move the show from an from an arena uh, in which we are, we are all on elevated footing to, to an arena where we are all on uh, uh, on equal footing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in that yeah. in that sense, and and it, it, I think something about the, the maybe the tilt shift photography. I, I think the larger point is that, that you you know these 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 contexts these systems uh, these are things you choose to participate in uh, or not. You you know what I mean? Um, you you sort of you can friend people, <laughs> you know, and you can let them friend you, yeah. and you can join. Uh, you know, you can you can join certain groups. I think another thing. I mean, I think another thing that the the um uh, uh, that's relevant to this movie is kind of the, the larger shift in the in the uh, American economy. You know what I mean? From an mm-hmm. economy that produces things, where you know what I mean, where you could be you could be sort of what the 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 Winklevoss trends are, are what the they're the the uh, the de- descendants <laughs> of, of um, wealthy industrialists. You know, or something like you yeah. know what I mean that that or Vanderbilt's or something like that. I mean, the the yeah. Vanderbilts went to Yale, but uh, you know the Tafts. No, the Tafts went to Yale. The uh, Roosevelts. You know what I mean, or something. Yeah, the like Rose- they're, yeah 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 they're, they they belong to that. The Tatiana
1: Ali's is what. No, they went to Harvard. But. <laughs> the,
0: um, <laughs> you know what I mean, and the and the, the kind of the Zuckerberg generation represents the new sort of digital yeah. economy or information economy. Um, Kind of, kind of coming to the fore, where these old, uh, you know, these old, these old technologies are are being supplanted. Not just in terms of of uh, uh, privilege per se. I mean, privilege quay, uh, uh, ha- being able to get into nice restaurants, but also um, in terms of what is the engine that is driving the economy,
3: uh, yeah. right? Uh, well. In- if we, if we look at it in terms of actual economic production, Mark Zuckerberg is the only person in the movie who produces something, namely this website, Facebook. Everyone else is just fighting over some degree of financial credit for it, hence the intellectual property lawsuits or the, I don't know what, what the Eduardo lawsuit would, would be, but probably something similar like, you know, the, the proper dissolution of a business partnership or something along those lines. Everyone else just wants... Want some piece of that. Zuckerberg's the only person who's who makes something, who creates a thing. Right. And also, an additional reality check on top of
4: that let's not forget that Facebook only started to turn a profit maybe a year ago. Right? <laughs> you know, if you talk about real engines of the economy here, like Facebook is, is nowhere near the magnitude of, say, Google, right? Which, which, produces gets generates tons and tons of, of uh, ad revenue for itself and you know has really fundamentally changed the ad landscape um, but, and, and a lot more in terms of growth
0: and, i mean like you know money is going to go to where the growth is not necessarily where the where the biggest numbers are it's going to yeah. go to where the biggest growth is and that yeah. i mean in terms of growth facebook has had this kind of stratospheric uh, Ascent—that's a terrible metaphor. Has had this kind of meteoric uh, ascent, and and you know, to continue that terrible metaphor, they may burn out as does a meteor when it hits the it hits the atmosphere. But it, you know, that's that, thats where the growth the growth has been. We also see we well, see other people build build something, uh, build things, code things. You know, do PR, uh, contribute to this uh, uh, to this project. I mean, I guess I guess Mark Zuckerberg is the only person who originates something, um, uh, and that's. I mean that but, is that actually is played up for a lot. So this is a kind of great man, great man theory of of modern history, uh, kind of movie rather than being the the um, what is more likely the case, which is that circumstances were just probably right uh, at that time for something like this to emerge, and this just happens to be the one that emerged and uh, caught fire. It Was well, I think.
1: I think we need to take a little bit I, – I would recommend taking a step back and taking a little bit more of an um, abstract view of economy when we're thinking about what happens in the events of the movie because, yes, there's money and there's production and there's the things that we think of as traditionally part of the economy. But these are events that are taking place in the quote-unquote information economy, which as we know, yeah, there's certain things about it that are illusory in certain respects and there's almost like it's different discourses entirely between like whether you're making a profit and whether you're sort of turning heads. I mean I, I'd reference my – Juggalo series about the the Insane Clown Posse, about how they're building their fan base and like, yes, you can make money off the fan base but the influence and power and dynamism that comes from building a social network isn't a really about the money, and and Zuckerberg isn't doing it for the money, and then he says it over and over again in the movie, and it's that he doesn't care about money, it's not about money, you know, it's about the and then in the old Harvard model, money is connected with influence to this very specific degree, right, like like you have to have these resources in order to do things, and, and yeah, there's a connection between money that runs through it but remember the monologue that Justin Timberlake delivers about it, right, or no, it's not monologue, but it's like the scene, the Uncle Ben scene in the car, or whatever it is, where Justin Timberlake is talking about how he uh changed the record industry. Like he destroyed the record industry single handedly. Napster changed the world. And and think about that model for affecting the economy. Right? Because he's right. Like Napster that once Napster was out of the bottle like things were not going to go back and all the fighting the RIAA has done about the copyrights and all the little old ladies they sued none of it is going to change the fact that Napster ended the record companies as they existed previously. Like that that was what happened. Now we can say that doesn't produce anything but at the same time like well what is normative about Increasing a particular statistic, right? Like, oh, GDP going from a smaller number to a bigger number is something that matters. That's production. Like, the word production is that this is what matters. But there's there's production, there's creative destruction, there's the different operations of affecting the the sort of social forces that shape the way that we contextualize the world.
4: That's a good point, Um, Pete. And and what we look at it basically is like what Sean Parker and Mark, both Sean Parker and Mark Zuckerberg, see themselves as are these. Agents of chaos or these or not, that's not the right, right word exactly. They are disruptive forces. Fundamentally disruptive forces and they see disruption in the current in the status quo as as them producing value as a good product yeah. that they're creating. He's,
1: he's trying really hard to be an asshole. Like that's what that's what uh, Rashida Jones says to him at the end of the movie. Like that's what he's trying to do. He's not succeeding at it, but he's like trying. He's, he's actually building something when really he just wants to mess with people. Uh,
3: <laughs> one of one of one of my favorite historical economists, Joseph Schumpeter, who you you allude to, it, Fenzel, when you talk about the notion of creative destruction. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that Schumpeter popularized—the idea that growth in an economy past a certain point necessitates destroying an older monopoly. There will be some entrepreneur or some technological revolution that will unseat the existing monopoly. And for any growth to happen, the monopoly has to be cut under. And, you know, all the all the stakeholders have to be impoverished. All the infrastructure and employees have to find new work. And, you know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a shame on the personal level because you know if you know people in the record industry or if you know people who you know work in the newspaper industry their 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 power base is gradually being eroded away. But at the same time, there's also this tremendous growth that's coming in in online networks, and that's where that's coming from.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it's it's sort of like you know you don't want to. Um... You miss the big picture when you're focusing too much on um, the strictly def- defined agents, right? It's um, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's like uh, – uh, I was like when I read – I was reading in Newsweek. They were talking about trying to predict the price of oil. Um, or they were trying to predict the price of food and and a bunch of other stuff related to inflation and deflation and talking about that. And they're like, well, the reason that the price of food goes up is because the developing economies need it. And that drives demand. And I'm like, yeah, that's one way you can look at it. The other reason the other reason the price of food goes up is because certain companies build ETFs to manipulate commodity prices. And, And it's like, there is a narrative that you can make that's clean and about production and about the growth of things but like there's also the messy way in which things actually happen uh in which things are actually done and and they don't always appear they don't appear with the same sort of arrow the same arrow of time and the same sense of progress as they do when we want to teach somebody like the scope of history from a higher level um, mark, mark you had wanted to talk about something right
4: I yeah think, i think this is, this is a good thing actually to end, and and the and uh, our discussion on which is this we, we we've Based on our entire conversation, we've talked about sort of you know the, the Facebook we have in the real world and the Facebook and the events of surrounding Facebook in the movie interchangeably or on the same footing. Basically, we are you know we're, we're talking about these things as if uh, as somewhat as an established fact, but we know obviously very are very aware that a lot of stuff that happens in the movie is fictionalized and. Um, you know, there's you know, beyond sort of just like the, the typical liberties that someone takes. Um, you know, in, in dramatizing a, a true story, a lot of stuff is just plain made up. Like the whole uh, the, the woman, there's his girlfriend at the beginning of the movie, just plain did not exist. In <laughs> life. it, just yeah. it was it was made up for the for the I think maybe just for the movie, not even in the book. But anyway, what I'm getting at here is I'm really curious to think about um, how is it that we are going to look back at this 20 years from now, and is is it going to be that People are going to look back and look at this movie as sort of a historical fact and document about this is this is beginning to come the narrative of how Facebook was was founded. And if so, is that uh, you know necessarily a quote unquote bad thing?
0: No, well, I, I, mean, I it's think not, people are. Uh, you know, I don't know. Do, do people believe that? Uh, oh God, what is that movie about? Um, uh, eight days in September. I mean, do, or in October or something like that. Do people think that that's how the Cuban Missile Crisis happened? It's not. Uh,
1: I mean, thirteen I days is what you're thinking, right? Yes, right now. <laughs> with Kevin Costner. Yes, with Kevin, which was a pretty really good movie. I like the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I mean, yeah, that's sometimes true. People do think. Probably, people probably think Patton is accurate.
3: Right? Yeah, people. Uh, World War Two movies are a good example, or people take you know, inherit the wind as a as a fairly closed depiction of the events of the the Scopes trial in Tennessee.
1: Yeah, yeah people sure. see Day of the Dead as like a real a really historical record of the. Of the later years of humanity, trying to come to terms with a post-zombie world. I people mean,
0: see "Gone with the Wind" as an accurate dis- depiction of happy slaves singing in cotton fields,
1: and people see "Glory" as something that's historic. I mean, but again, that you know, I think that that. We, I, I don't want to say we all learned, because like, all of us have been through academic training, but like, the stewardship of history – I'll say this quickly. This is my take on it, and I'll say it quickly. Is I often use the word stewardship when it comes to history right? because I feel like we have like, a moral responsibility to take seriously our ability to mislead ourselves. And I think that there are a lot of theorists and and, discussion, and people who discuss how history works and understanding of history works who, who are of that opinion that like, history is only as good – As our ability to sort of authoritatively Preserve it and since our collective ability To authority preserve history is so bad Like therefore history is malleable And flexible and and I like to think well no I want to aspire to something better than that even if We can't achieve it like we should all be good Stewards of history and we should all do our homework And keep things researched I, I do Think that there is a role for The academy for having a library For like having people whose job it is To keep track of the records and the Primary sources and yeah like We don't need the primary sources as much anymore like I can go to Wikipedia and write something down doesn 't necessarily mean it 's right, but I think that there still is value in people having some stewardship over things that are actually like as close to true as we can try to believe that they are and that well, that's, uh,
0: that's and I think that 's count, counterbalanced pete by by the sense because what you 're talking about is is um uh, I'm casting about for words. Not elitist, not rarefied, but that's a, that's a specialized view. Whereas there's there's a vulgar view, which is more along the lines of of what the entertainment industry does, which is what are the stories that we wish to tell ourselves about ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the that's the continuum. It's funny we bring up uh, Gone with the Wind and Inherit the Wind and Glory and. Uh, um, you know, Day of the Dead. It's. Uh, I mean, it's funny that, <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, that last one. Um, it's funny that these are the things that we that we bring up because these are, in in essence, these are, are um, uh, stories that we want to tell ourselves about ourselves and, and about where we came from. Uh, the West Wing had this disease. Um, had a terminal case of this disease. Right. The West. The West yeah. Wing wasn't about. Uh, though I suppose its politics were you know w- well to the left of center, um, the the West Wing was actually a, a, uh, a sort of a hopeful fable about our ability to be our best selves under adverse cond- conditions at all times, you know and um, yeah, uh, right like, and, and the 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 real kind of fiction of the West Wing was was not the liberties it took with, with actual presidential stuff. Uh, but was the liberties that it took with human nature um, by having you know people from across the political spectrum who were just you know trying to get it done, trying as best they could to you know rise above their petty differences and um, uh, and get it done. The
1: social Which network. of course we know just doesn't, that doesn't happen. Like the world doesn't work that way. People don't rise above their petty differences, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, okay, I was I was
0: wondering if you were mocking me. I, I guess no, I'm
1: serious. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm sad, but I'm serious. I guess sometimes
0: people do rise above their so, their petty differences, but I th- it, it tends to happen at a much smaller scale you know it tends to happen at a much at a a much more local um uh context than than you know national or international
4: politics i'm sorry so what you're saying is that you know face this this, the social network if it even though it's not you know quote unquote historically accurate it succeeds in the way that the west wing failed and that it shows people basically succumbing succumbing to their uh, worst instincts and sort of that being an accurate portrayal of the human condition
0: i'm not sure i, I mean i'm not sure what what better i don't know i I'm, I'm i'm not sure that i grant your grant the premise of the of the suggestion that you make but uh,
3: sorry well i don't know it it tells the story that the world's youngest billionaire is kind of an asshole which i think is a story a lot of people would like to hear yeah, <laughs> I mean, true. think That's about true. think about how terrifying it would be if the world's youngest billionaire, you know, innately deserved every penny he got. How depressing would that be? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is a year younger than I am and has made more money than I could make in ten lifetimes. If I thought he deserved, not if one of your
1: lifetimes of- was Mark Zuckerberg's lifetime, then you could make just <laughs> as much as he did. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow but if
3: i thought Sorry. he deserved if i thought he deserved most of that i mean what would i do go home and eat drain cleaner for failing at age 29 come on he's an asshole i'm i'm relieved i can sleep at night because oh you know he may have money but he can't have happiness no. as evidenced yeah. by the last shot of him you know staring at the girl he obsessed over and started facebook really to get back at and you know clicking on clicking refresh to see if she will reach out to him with his friend request in a sort of modern retelling of the great gatsby
0: Yeah, Gatsby. Gatsby actually is something that we haven't talked about, but Gatsby is a a super important uh, uh, sort of text that intersects.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Even to the extent of people falling in the pool. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what I liked? You know what else I liked? I liked just one last thing for me is that I liked that scene where the lawyer asked Mark Zuckerberg if he mattered to him. And he said no. Because it was kind of like he was asking him to be his friend on Facebook.
2: It's like, don't <laughs> it <matters? laughs>
1: No, do not. I'm my friend.
0: God, I feel I'm like zombie. we could get. I feel like this whole podcast has flown by, and we could we could get a whole other hour of conversation about this because I feel like we're barely scratching the surface. But let's turn it over to the listeners. Um, get on the uh, get on the comment thread on the show notes uh, on Overthinking It, and um, you know, email us your thoughts at podcast at overthinkingit.com dot com, and make um, make uh, phone calls or text messages to two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Posts on our Facebook wall? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're on – you know, we're on Facebook. (laughs) Actually, since they made changes to the way pages work, um, we – since they made changes to the way pages work, it's been all – uh, it's we haven't shown up as much. We haven't grown. We had explosive growth, uh, especially among <laughs> high school age girls, uh, who,
1: who, which seen... was a sign that something was wrong with the way Facebook was working because that's not what was supposed to be happening. <laughs> no, that's a that's a bug. Not at all.
0: Yeah, no, it was high school girls who saw that their friends, um, who saw that their friends were uh, liking overthinking it, and it's like, oh yeah, I totally overthink anything. Not to make fun of high school girls, we we welcome <laughs> we welcome them to our we Them to our Facebook fan page, and but only if
3: their parents are
0: with them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, only if they are, you know, complying with all state and federal regulations about being on social networks and stuff like that. And they do all their homework and eat their vegetables. Uh, but, um, you know, that, so we're on overthinkingit.com slash Facebook. Not that we've figured out exactly or what to do. Facebook.com slash overthinkingit. Yeah, we
1: wish okay. it was overthinkingit.com. Go, <laughs> Go to overthinkingit.com slash Facebook. It's this great site that, we, that we've been working with, and we're going to give them a little boost by showing them <laughs> up on our web on our webpage. Yeah. Um, it's, and then after you're done with that, you can come back and you can read about, uh, about
0: Juggalos you can read about juggalos at www.overthinking oh sorry we got lots I st- of great stuff about i stomped on you pete we we uh, we went skype you for a second and i stomped on you i'm sorry uh, but no worries no worries it wasn't come important. back and, and and read all about juggalos and Dragon Ball yeah. overthinking on dot com the <laughs> <site> where <you laughs> subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it it is doesn't deserve, deserve. <laughs> <laughs> these are outtakes mark do yours
4: All right, now that this podcast is over, I'm going to sue all of you all in federal court to get my
3: rightful share of overthinkingit.com. I'll see you in court, suckers. Uh, you you know how I knew that girlfriend was made up because there is no way a BU girl would go drinking with a Harvard student at the Thirsty Scholar because the Thirsty Scholar's in Inman and BU's <laughs> in Boston and Harvard's in Cambridge so I mean I guess you could take like the number one bus across the Mass Ave and then walk fifteen minutes to Inman Square but I, really at that point why not just drink it you know at Grafton Street or you know the or the basement or you know any of the other like much much closer White, white much,
1: horse Tavern Whitehorse Tavern White
3: Horse ta- no. <laughs> White White Horse Tavern's terrible. Don't don't there.
0: Grendel's den or something. Is that still a thing?
3: That's yes, actually. Is. Grendel's in Harvard. It's yeah, in the it's, town. It's it's a good bar. Wait, they drink at Grendel's in the town. What are they doing? They what go they doing? out on a
2: date there.
3: You know, one of the weirdest <laughs> things that struck me about Mystic River was when these you know these East Boston kind of towny cops were talking about. Hey, you know, some of us are going to the Can Tab later. You wanna you wanna come with? I was like, why would you guys be driving all the way to Cambridge to drink? What the hell? A skull above any other.
2: Alright, guys. I gotta go. I have to go poke my boyfriend. (laughs) And
1: as for the podcast, I just want to say I think I deserve some recognition for this board. Excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) Never
3: mind. (laughs) mind. (laughs) You mean mean for exposing its many technical flaws? (laughs)